You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Go. It was just a normal day in my life, just a normal day. I woke up in the morning, had to take my car to the service, um, for a service, and my dad said to me, hey, I'll take you to work, you're not going to have a car. So I was like, yes, great. And he, he's like, oh, I'll come get you as well. So I was like, great, fine, sorted. He drives me to Dover, see you later, Dad, love you. And I go to work, have a great day, and then at the end of the day, I, I wait, but no one turns up. And then a few minutes later maybe like 35 past five, my mum turns up and I'm like, okay, cool. So I get in the car, we set off, we start driving and I look at mum and she looks at me and she's like, Lysandria, I have some bad news. And I'm like, okay. And she just bursts into tears and she says to me, dad's just had a heart attack. And I go, oh my gosh, my world is about to stop, right? What do we do in that moment? So I get on my phone, I text a few people in church, a few prayer warriors, because this just happened like a few minutes before. I text a few people, I put a message up, a status up on Facebook. If you scroll back through my Facebook, you could probably still find it. And I ask, I petition people, pray with us. We're believing for a miracle. We're believing that this is not the end of that story. But I get home and there's two, three ambulances outside. There is some police cars. I walk through the door and I see my dad in the lounge. Sorry, I'm just going to bear it all out because I need you guys to understand where I'm coming from. I walk through the door and I see my dad laying on the floor surrounded by paramedics and they've been doing this for a few minutes, probably about half an hour, you know, working on him, trying to get him back and it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And so they came over to my mum and I and they were like, we are calling it there. Um, And that was a moment that my life, everything changed, a moment of turmoil, tragedy. And you know what, church, I don't remember a lot of what happened over that, those couple of days, over the weeks that passed, so even the months, but I do remember the anger that I felt and the questions that I felt and the tension and the wrestling and just the stuff I was throwing at God, like, God, I don't understand, I don't understand what you're doing, this isn't, you, how can this be your plan for my life, for my family's life? Like, I was wrestling with that, but at the same time, I also remember God's nearness closer than what I've ever felt in my whole entire life. Before then, but probably since that. Like, I remember his nearness and his presence so strongly. We've all been there, right? And for you, maybe it's similar to me and you've lost someone. Or maybe you've grieved a relationship that's ended badly or abruptly, sorry. Um, Or perhaps it's been a life goal that hasn't quite gone to plan as you expected that it would go. We all have struggled with those things, loss, betrayal, grief. But I want you to know this morning that that is reality. I mean, you all know that. That's just the reality. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where there is pain and suffering. And loss, grief, and sorrow, those things are some of the things, emotions that God's given us to be able to feel and live fully. As difficult as they are, he created them so that we can live fully and bring him into those situations. And on the other side of the pain, we know that we live a Romans 8 verse 28 reality that says that God works 
all things together for my good. No matter how difficult they are, I know it's tough in the moment, like I've been there, but on the other side of it, on the other side of the process, he works all things together for our good. And the question we're going to look at today is, how do we get from that point A to point B? How do we get from the loss, the grief, the tension to God working everything together for our good? So, and I know church, just an honest moment, we're, as a family, we're in the middle of this right now. You know, we lost one of our own last week. Wendy, like, we love you guys. <laughs> like, oh, just, you know, I haven't even got words. But God knew two months ago when we were planning these series on prayer that today we'd be speaking on the prayer of lament and that I'm praying that this would be a helpful tool for all of us as we step forward. So before we go into learning how to lament, I'm just going to point this out. I sometimes struggle between the word lament or lament. So if you hear me pronouncing it wrong, just bear with me. Have a little giggle and then move on. So um, our reading was from Psalm 10 today. And John Calvin says that the Psalms are the mirror of the soul. And I think when we look at the Psalms, we can often think that um, they're about praise and worship. But actually, Johnny, have we got that um, illustration on the screen? Great. Yeah. So you can see that actually majority of the Psalms are of lament, which is really interesting. Um, they're the most common genre of Psalms. And I think maybe because of that, we should ask ourselves, what role should lament play in our life as followers of Jesus? What has he got to teach us in that? So I'm just going to read out a couple of things that lament is or is not. Okay. So lament is not an acknowledgement of guilt because we are guilt-free. Um, sorry, we are guilt-free. Lament is not self-punishment. It's not saying, God, I deserve this, for you are right to punish me. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow brought before God. So it's taking it from here and bringing it out here. Lament is the language of a people who believe that God is in control but live in a world with tra tragedy. Lament allows us to walk through grief, pain, and loss with faith rooted in God's reality. And lament ensures that our temporary emotions do not shape our permanent decisions, but rather that we press into God and the permanency of him to form our short-term and long-term decisions. So in order for us to have faith in the process, we need to learn how to lament. And today we're going to look at three ways that we can do that. So the first one is, God answers the why with who. Now, we all know little children when they're learning to talk. It will be Freddie soon and little Asher. But when they get to a certain age, they start asking why. Everything is why. Go to bed. Why, mommy? Put on your coat. Why, mommy? Eat your dinner. Why, mommy? And it's like, I just please do it. Um, but in the midst of our whys, God doesn't give us a fact check, and he doesn't always give us an answer. Sometimes he does, but he often gives us a presence check, and he allows us to step in to knowing him more. He gives us a greater sense of his presence in the midst of our lack of understanding, because we want more answers, but he actually gives us more love. We want more information, but he gives us his presence. We want some rationale, some answers, but he gives us comfort and grace in the midst of it. And in Psalm 13, David's prayer that he prays, 
he says, how long, O Lord, blah, blah, blah. But then God answers with a very pleasant help in time of trouble, right? Because it's normal for us to have those questions. I've been there. I've wrestled with those questions and those tensions. And God doesn't always answer our questions, but he does, church. He does welcome them. And something special happens when we bring him into that journey. When we run to God with our questions, I believe personally that it actually acts as like an adhesive that draws us closer together, keeps us glued to him. And when we trust God with our questions, despite not receiving answers, it's actually proof of our relationship and our trust in him, our reliance on him. But you might think this morning, Lysandre, I need my questions answered before I can fully trust him, before I can fully let myself be free with him, before I can bear my all, I don't know. Like, I think we can be in that place of tension when something's happened and it's just like, I don't understand, God, I need to know this before I feel like I can worship you again properly. You know that tension? But I want you to know today that God's presence is your answer. God's presence is your safe place. It's the safest place you could be. Because only God's presence can help you. Only his presence can heal you. And only his presence can restore you. So today, church, let's choose to press into his presence, to give our questions to him, and to trust that he is working in that. Let's do what David did with the Psalms and unleash our heart so that we can watch him draw nearer to us. Because God answers the why with the who. So the second way that God responds to lament is that he doesn't fix us. He doesn't fix it, sorry. He forms us. Right? It's tough. It's tough. Some of these things are tough. <laughs> um, I think when, when we're in that moment of grief, loss, pain, it can feel like we want to find an explanation or a quick, like a quick um, fix situation to get through it for grief. Um, and while that's admirable, while it like, can be useful, and I think for ourselves when we're in that moment, we, while it can be great to get through, step over that threshold, it actually can stunt us. If we rush the process too quick, if we try and get from this point to this point too quickly, it can actually stop God from forming what he wants to form in us at that time. See, I wish God could take me over there in that corner that none of you can even see. Turn me into the corner and fix and form me right here where no one can see what's going on. No one can see what needs healing. No one can see what needs transformation. But the truth is, church, that God places us in community because community is where we sing that song of lament and where the power comes from that place. Because lament isn't caused to divide us. It's caused to unite us, church. It's caused to bring us together, because walking together and watching over one another. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 says this, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I don't know if any of you remembers the beast from the east. Anyone? It was a big deal down south. Apparently not so much up here. But down in the south of England, 
Um, when snow comes, all rationale leaves the country. If schools shut down, roads close, work says work from home, some work even say don't bother working at all. I remember this time because it was a fond memory of mine. It was like, yeah, enjoy the snow. But I remember one day looking out the window and seeing a convoy of people walking up a hill. And I was like, what are they doing? And actually what had happened was that their cars were stuck on the hill, but they all got out of the cars and they decided to form together and walk up the hill together back to the town where they were coming from. I remember looking out the window that day and seeing cars trying to leave, but because the snow was like, not even that high, but about this high. Um, cars were getting stuck and they weren't able to move. And as soon as someone's car got stuck, people would like open their doors, run out the houses and go help dig them out. It really formed the community. It brought everyone together. And I think adversity actually does that. It brings people together. It forms us. It brings community together. And you might think that, that your lamenting will be easier if you do it alone. Maybe it will. Probably. Probably will. But that's not how God created it to happen. Because you were created to live in community church. You were created to grow in community, to wrestle in community, and to thrive in community. You may be asking God to fix your situation today, but what if we realize that he knows what he's doing, as difficult as it is? What if he's using this challenge that we're facing? Each one of us have got our own challenges. What if we realize that that challenge that we're facing is that he's actually using that to turn us more into his likeness? to make us more like him so we can be more like him to other people. God uses our pain to form us. And church, you will be best positioned to be formed by him if you are settled in a community that can love you and cherish you. If you are settled in a community that can remind you who God is when you don't believe it yourself, when you wrestle with the tension of, what are you doing, God? I don't understand. When you wrestle with that, if you've got people around you that are like, this Andrew, remember when he did this? Remember when he said this? Remember all these promises, these prophecies he's spoken over your life? Those things still stand. doesn't matter if your dad died. Those things can still happen, right? But if I didn't have people around me, friends, family around me, who could see it from still being it with me, but also see it from another perspective, it would have been a lot harder. So church, let's make a decision to position ourselves around the community who can speak God's truth over us. Yeah. And the third point that God responds to is that lament is Jesus' example in his own pain. Now, church, we have to live through the example of the cross. And Jesus didn't take suffering and pain away at the cross. He took the penalty for sin. But in that, he actually cried out to God in his own pain. He had to walk through it himself as well. Now, in Matthew 27, verse 46, we see Jesus in the midst of his suffering say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, he had questions even as he was hanging on the cross. He was literally there doing what everything pointed to in all of creation, all of life. Everything pointed to that moment. And even as God-man, he still questioned God what am I doing? Like, what is this? And Jesus, you know, he had questions, but even in the pain of life, he lamented. 
But it didn't stop their church because God actually used his pain as the rescue for all of humanity. All right, in Psalm 22, it's a prophetic psalm about Jesus on the cross. Um, and the psalmist outlines that there would be pain and suffering in the process of the cross. But the chapter itself, it flows from lament to declaration, back to lament, back to declaration. And it goes like that. You see, if you read it, it goes just from seesawing in between one and the other. But that's, it's a foreshadowing of what real life looks like, right? That is just normal. We go from these high, high moments to low, low. So I'm just going to read an example here. So in verse of 22, um, verse 16, it's a lament verse. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. And we've got verse 19, which is declaration. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. This is Jesus speaking on the cross. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. And church, in your, in your lamentation, why don't you choose to make that declaration? Why don't you choose to position yourself in a place like Jesus of declaration? This might be your now, but church, it's not. It is not your forever. This might be your temporary, but it is not your eternal. This might be your present, but it is not your future. We lament and we pour our hearts out to God. But church, I want you to know that at the end of that chapter, we've been doing this and this and this, but at the end of the chapter, in verse 31, it ends with this. For he, the Lord, has done it. He's done it, right? You might be in the middle of your lament right now, in the middle of your lamentation. But the story, we just read it, the story ends in victory. Because God did it for, for like Jesus did it on the cross, and he's going to do it again in your life. It doesn't matter how hard it is right now, walk it through, walk that tension through, bring God into it. But know that on the other side of it, one day, maybe it's far away, but one day, he will bring victory into that. Because our current suffering is not our forever portion, church. God will work all things together for good in his timing. So when you let your lamentation make it into a declaration, reflect it from lamentation, turn it into declaration. Let's live in the understanding that although we might lament today, Joy does come in the morning. The Bible says it. Let's choose to take God at his word today. Joy comes in the morning. So today, let's make a decision to live in the hope that God is faithful. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his word. He does not let his word fall void. You might say to me today, Lysandre, how practically, how do we lament so lamenting is an honest cry. It's an honest cry out to God regarding a pain that we are feeling or an injustice that we have been faced with. So it's an active cry. And in that, we must refuse to carry the burden of repressing our pain, but cry out to God in the midst of it, even 
when we know that he's working it for good. So even though we know he's working it for good, we still need to have that honesty with him. We still need to bring him into it because something powerful happens when you journey it with the Lord. There is, when you do that, there's going to be a turning point where we declare, we recognize and we acknowledge our faith position regarding God. And that's when we have that but God moment, you know? You live in over here, you're down here. You look up to him, you see, but God, you can do it. But God, you are faithful. But God, you stand true to your promises. We choose to focus on God's character, not on our circumstances. I beg you, choose to focus on his character. His character will see you through. He is faithful. We declare our trust in God because he understands our pain. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Why don't you stand with me, church? And this morning, we want to bring our lament to him. We want to bring our lament, our pain, our grief, our sorrows to him as an act of worship. And you know, church, like the things that we carry, the crosses that we bear, the, the pain, the anguish, the loss, they exist to draw us closer to God. They suck. Like, that's not even a good word to say. It is horrible. It is tragic. It is so, so painful. But you know, as someone who's walked the journey, I don't understand it. I still, I still have days where I struggle with, you know, that story I told you about earlier. But I know that he's work, working it together for my good. I know that he's forming me in the process. Because too often we're carrying the wrong things. We're carrying things that's just like loading them on our back more, more, more. And we're getting lower, lower, lower. And we're less able to step into what God has for us. Because we're so weighed down by what we are facing. The reality of life. Matthew 11 verse 29 says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls. So how do we lament this morning, church? How are we going to respond? We're going to respond, and I'm going to ask you to bring your lament to the cross. Bring it to the altar. Bring your burdens, bring your grief, bring your sorrow, bring the things, attention, bring your losses, whether that be work, family, whatever that looks like, whether it's physical loss or emotionally, I want you to step out and bring your loss to the front. So Matthew 5 verse 4 said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So God's got comfort for you this morning, church. And I know like, deep message right hard message for me to preach and I'm sure for you to listen to as well but there is healing this morning there is healing and as we step into that position of bringing our pain our sorrow our grief to the cross to Jesus here at the front as we take that active step I believe he's going to take that weight off he's going to take that burden make it lighter he might not take it away completely but he's going to make it lighter as you bring him into that conversation, as you bring him into that conversation, that tension of questioning and wrestling, he's going to draw you nearer. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.
We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 